Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. First of all, uh, one guy can call me Matthew the Cool, and we know who that is. Second of all, Matthew is not my name. Uh, it's good. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Good. I got this fancy different one this week. That, yeah. uh, that way I can, I can have a necklace on and apparently not look very angry while taking it off. I, I didn't know that I was angry. I was trying to be dramatic. Apparently it was too dramatic. And my entire team let me know that you looked... So, it was good. But how's everybody doing this morning? I'm thinking about not even preaching this morning, just having the team come back up here and continue to lead the blessing for the next two hours. That would be fine with me. I uh, just felt like heaven fell in this place this morning. What an incredible time. Can we just give it up for our incredible team? One of our amazing surf crew guys comes in this morning and he's all like... I don't know what it is, uh, let's listen to the radio, listen to uh, whatever the Christian radio station is, I don't know. And he goes, our team does it better, our team does it better. Blessings way better take over church, and I was like, tell the truth and shame the devil, bro, I love it. Um, but this morning, yes, we are continuing our series, Summer Lovin'. Did everybody enjoy last week? Yeah. Come on, start back in one. Oh man, we are loving this series, I'm so excited. Next week, our very own, the incredible Amazon warrior herself, Pastor Adrienne McClure is preaching next week. Come on, it's going to be awesome. She is, uh, we are very different when it comes to preaching, and I'm so grateful for that because she just has this way of this subtle, loving word that also will cut you deep and change your life, and she is awesome like that, so we're excited for that. But this morning, if you're taking notes, again, this is week two of summer, love it. Who's got their notes out? Somebody told me this morning they got their notepad, 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 there it is. Take notes, we'll save your life later. Um, if you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is this, summer, love it, week two. Are you ready? Yeah, ready. You ready to be uncomfortable? Yeah. <laughs> Seduction to subjection. Seduction to subjection. Also known as the uh, as the red table. Also known as entanglement. Also known as a few different things. Keep going, but I won't. It's okay. But yes, subje- uh, seduction to subjection. Y'all ready for the Bible this morning? Y'all praying this morning? Y'all ready to see where I go with that title this morning? Yes. Fantastic. Yo, we're going to be coming out of the book of Judges, verse, or, uh, chapter 16. I'm going to paraphrase a bit of it, and then we're going to get into, then we're going to find ourselves where we're supposed to be with the rest of the words. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right, so we're going to start off in Judges 16, 15 through 22. It'll be up on the Sky Bible. And she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. He told her all of his heart. He said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved and my strength will leave me, I shall become weak and be like any other man. 
When Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up, come up again, for he has told me all of his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came to her and brought her the money in their hand, and she made him sleep on her knees. Hello, somebody. And she called him, called a man, and had him shave off the seven locks of his head, and then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he woke up from his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself free. Somebody say, Shake it off, shake it off. Shake it off, shake it off. Woo! Okay. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, and bound him with bronze shackles. And he, and he ground at the mill in the prison, but the hair of his head began to grow after again had been shaved. Gouge out the eyes. That's what we're going to say this morning. You mind if I pray? Is that cool? I promise this is good news. I know this is this is for real. Samson's wild. The story's nuts. But we're 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 gonna we're gonna see what God's gonna do. That sound good? Yeah. Fantastic. Jesus, we just thank you so much for this morning. Father God, we ask that you would come, that you would have your way in the midst of technical streaming difficulties. We pray for Facebook right now that Mark Zuckerberg one would get saved and two. Then he would back church and make uh, streaming really, really great for churches. But Father God, we just thank you so much for being in this room this morning, God. We know where two or more are gathered. There you are in the midst of us. So Holy Spirit, right now, we are so grateful. We are so grateful right now for an atmosphere in this room where you want to teach us, where you want to change us, where you want to love on us, God. This morning, God, when you hear a title like that, we perk up and it, it's, and it gets our attention. But there's also this air of... Oh, is this going to go a certain direction? God is asking you to peace every single heart, that you would calm every mind, that you bring stillness to every soul in here, God, so that we can receive the word that you have for us this morning. And everybody loves Jesus, and he's done something for you. Say it real loud for me. Amen. Amen. Come on. All right. Hey, there's also coffee outside, if in fact you need some. Clearly, I am espresso-elated at the moment. Um... So I need, you to, I need you to keep up with this one. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Seduction to subjection. Come on. Who is really uncomfortable when they hear the word seduction? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't, isn't it strange? You're like, seduction? Whoa. Whoa. All right. I don't know what, I don't know where you're going with this, white boy, but you better make it good. I promise it's going to be good. Seduction to subjection. I love this piece of scripture. I love this verse. Now I'm going to break down Samson for you a little bit. Where are my church kids at? Who grew up in church? My hand's not up because I did not. A lot of you, that's so good. I love it. For you guys, you have probably grown up hearing that Samson was just this superhero after God's own heart. He was the man. God had his favor upon him. He was strong. He had long, glowing hair. He looked like Kevin Sorbo from the 1994 Hercules series that nobody here knows about. And you think that that is what he is. Because you heard about that in VBS. You heard about that in Awana. You heard about it in Sunday school. And to all of us who grew up in church, we have a certain uh, perception of who Samson is. And I would say that perception of Samson is incredibly correct. I would say that Samson really is, uh, he's not Captain America, but he's Captain Nazarite. He's the man. He, he was a man after God's own heart. He had God's strength. He has God's call. He had God's promise. He had God's purpose. And Samson really was that guy. But much like all of our favorite heroes, he was complicated. He had issues. He had done some dumb things. He had sin in his life. He had things that he had to resubmit 
to God. And so I feel like when we're in Sunday school or when we're at VBS or wherever we're watching VeggieTales, he's presented in this certain light. And I get it. I understand for a child, the cleaned up, the dressed up, the nice looking Samson is just perfect. And we want to encourage our kids, but I get it. But why everybody hates Superman is because Superman is perfect and he can't be beaten and he's undefeated and he just has it all. He has it all together. He's just too good. But where we can, that's why we can't relate to, where we can relate to is a superhero who has flaws and who has issues and who actually looks like you and me, who, who has problems, who has to overcome, who has to submit things to God because that's a bigger testimony than having it all together. For most of us, we can hear he did dumb stuff and overcame. He did really stupid things and he overcame. I can overcome too. If the Holy Spirit can fall on him and use him, he can fall on me and use me. If God can use him, he can certainly use me. Because Samson, man, this dude has a really dodgy history. Like an incredibly dodgy history. And I, and I love it because here's the deal about Samson. First and foremost, you have to understand that Samson, much like you and myself, had a massive call of God on his life. A massive call of God on his life. Hence the reason there's this whole big few chapters about him and judges, and he's this big superhero character in the Bible, but he has this call of God on him to be a Nazarite, to give God all the glory, to go against the enemies of his people, the Philistines and the Gazites and all of these guys, and give God all the glory at the end of it. He's supposed to be God's champion. And it's the same for you and me. And I know we're going to get to the relationship part about this, but I think today we kind of have to both understand this morning that you and I, we have a call of God in life. Yeah. Samson, he had a call of God in his life. And if our call of God is not protected, our call of God will be forfeited. Yeah. If our call of God is not protected, our call of God will be forfeited. Amen? Because Samson, what he didn't understand at the time because he didn't have great preaching on a Sunday morning like we do here at Take Church. <laughs> what he didn't have to stand back then was that when you begin to walk in the calling that God has for your life, blessings are going to follow your obedience. Yeah. Oh, calling requires obedience. So many of us, we wake up and we know what we're called to do. We get a word from church and we know what we're called to do. We know what we're made to do all of these things. And yet for a lot of us, we kind of think, oh, it's just going to fall into place. We think I can just wake up, keep walking, keep going forward, do my daily routine, and I'm just suddenly going to start walking in what God has said He's called me to do in my life. But unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. If we are called by God, we're going to have to work for God. And if we're called by God, we're going to have to give up certain things for God. And if we are called by God, we're going to have to protect ourselves for God. Yeah. Well, I thought the Lord was I protecting. No, 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 He is. What I'm saying is, is that you and I, we have got things, we have got sin, we have issues, we have got stuff. I hate this microphone so much. You look right so much. It's just not staying on my face. All right, I'm going to try that. Sorry. We have got to protect the call of God on our life. If we do not protect the call of God on our life, we will end up ultimately forfeiting the call of God on our life. What do you mean that? Well, here it is. Check out Samson. Samson, he has an interesting story. If you go back to Judges 14... Judges 14, you see Samson and his whole story begins to unfold and he starts telling about who he is and all of a sudden God gives him these charges. 
No, no, this is what I spoke over your life. You're going to be a champion for heaven, for the kingdom of God. That is what you are going to do. You're going to cut down our enemies. You are going to take over land. You are going to establish what we want to see here and now. And as you do that, don't touch any roadkill. Yep. Say what? Yeah, don't eat any grapes. Don't drink any wine. Lord, this really isn't making sense. Oh, and don't cut your hair. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, sounds like you're being a little picky. I mean, everybody's drinking wine. Everybody's having grapes. I'm a warrior. Tell me I'm supposed to just stab somebody with a sword and never, never touch or, 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 or move a dead animal or move a dead body or any of these things. Like, God, this just seems kind of unreasonable. The long hair I can get behind because I look good with it. But these other things, God, they seem so small, they seem so insignificant, they seem so trivial, but it's the same thing for you and me. If you and I are going to do and be and accomplish everything that God has called us to be, and especially when it comes to our relationships, there are some things that God has given us a green light for, and there are some absolutes that God has given us a red light for, amen? There are things in our life just as Jesus followers that he says, green light go, red light no, okay? Green light go, red light no, okay? Cheating on your spouse, Red light, don't go, okay? She got her taxes, give the Caesar what is Caesar's. I know we all hate that Jesus said that. We really wish he wouldn't have said that. But red light, right? Take care of the widows and the poor, green light. Stand up for inequalities, green light. Give words of knowledge and prophecy and build churches and build people and establish the kingdom of God here on earth now, green light. Love your spouse. As Christ first loves the church. And I love that so many of us today, we think that when, Jesus, or when Paul says, love your, uh, love your spouse as Christ loves the church, well, I'm just dating, so I don't have to do that. No, 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 you're missing the bigger picture, and that's just a formality. Paul isn't saying you're dating, you're exempt. He's saying we are to be Jesus to one another in our relationships and out of our relationships, in our single season and out of our single season, in our marriage and out of our marriage, in our divorce and out of our divorce. As difficult as that may be. So what ends up happening is that things like don't eat grapes, don't touch dead things, don't cut your hair, don't sleep with a girl on Tinder, don't sleep with a girl from the office. Don't step out on your husband. Don't get stuck on pornography when you're in a single season, whether you're a man or a woman. Suddenly for us, because we live in 2020, we go, what? Everybody's drinking wine. Everybody's watching porn. Everybody's having sex with sex with sex with sex with whoever, whatever. Everybody's doing it. God, that seems so small, that seems so insignificant, it seems so trivial. But what is trivial in the moment can be substantial in the future, amen? What can be trivial in the moment can be substantial to your future. And I'll do you one better this morning. What can seem trivial in your relationship, specifically in the moment, can be consequential to your freedom. Seduction to subjection. What can seem trivial in the moment of your relationship? Insignificant. Everybody else is doing it. She's into it. I'm into it. We're both consenting adults. My spouse doesn't need to know. What can be trivial in a moment can be consequential to your freedom. And it can be substantial 
to your future. And I think the way we need to break that down this morning is this. If we go back to Judges 14 and we're looking at Samson. See, Samson, he had this call of God in his life that he was called to protect. That he was called to be. But you know what Samson also had in Judges 14? Samson had a wife. Yeah. Most of us don't even know that. She's called the woman from Tamron. Or however you say that word, I think it's Tamron. Called the woman from Tamron. So as we watch Samson's life unfold, what we see here is this incredibly flawed human being who God still chooses to use, who God will still use to bring about His greater glory. Aren't you so glad this morning that God works through broken people? I know I am. I'm up here today. I'm shattered with the most of us, okay? God uses broken people. But when it comes to this, this series on relationships, the significance of this, here is Samson. He's out. He's doing battle. He's raging war. He's fighting off Philistines. He's doing his thing. And all the while, back home, he has got a wife. Now, here's the thing about Samson. Most of us, we know the story. We'll get to the fun parts. We'll get to the crazy buck wild details. We'll get to making fun of Delilah's and Karen's and Todd's and everybody else in a minute. We'll get to the part where... People are dumb, don't date and marry dumb people, okay? We'll get to that part. But before that, here's Samson. Here's Samson. And while he's off winning at war, his wife is at home. While he's off winning his battles, his wife is at home. And what ends up happening to his wife is that eventually... He's gone too long. She moves on to another man. Fellas, ladies, this morning, can I encourage you with this? If you're winning at work, but you're not winning at home, you ain't winning. If you are winning on the battlefield, but you ain't winning at home, you ain't winning. If you're winning with your friends, fellas, laughing it up, having a good time, making jokes at your lady's expense, if you are winning with the fellas, but you ain't winning in your relationship, you are not winning. You are called to first things first, okay? If we're not winning in our relationships, then we're not winning. I know it sounds like we are because the business is booming. Boys, business is booming. The business is booming. You're winning at war. You're winning at your numbers. You're winning at whatever it is you're trying to do. You are accomplishing your career and all those things. But if your marriage is falling apart, if your wife is running off with somebody else, if your husband is running off with somebody else, if you're in a relationship and they are off running with somebody else, let me tell you this. Your focus and your priorities are in the wrong place. Well, Matt, was a different time. Samson's a warrior. It's what he should be doing. I don't think anybody else had a problem making sure their wife was good. You ever seen Maximus? Okay. The dude, the dude was locked up, brought in the Roman Empire, all those things, and still went home to his bride. Well, kind of. Kind of. Okay. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. CJ has not seen the movie The Gladiator, in case you're aware. Well, here's Samson. Man after God's own heart. God's chosen Nazarite. All of this strength, all of this power, all of this durability, all of these qualities that we're like, yeah, I want to be that as a man. Yeah, I want to be that as a woman. That is a bold, beastly person after the, uh, after the heart of God. I want to be like them. And you see all of these huge qualities, what we fail to realize is that he wasn't winning at home. 
We want to highlight the strength, we want to highlight the obedience, and we want to highlight the long flowing locks, but what we're failing to see is that he didn't first take care of first things first. And the funny thing is about that wife, is Samson, he has this very interesting way of pursuing women. You see, for Samson, much like a lot of us, Samson was already subdued before he was ever seduced. Samson was already subdued before he was ever seduced. You see, he sees this woman, his wife, known as a woman from Tamarind, and he just decides that he wants her. So he and his father, they go down to where he and uh, mom or, or his, her father and mother are at, and they speak with them and everything like that, and they end up having a big wedding and do the whole deal, and that's just kind of how things were done back then. But see, Samson... Before he was ever seduced, he was already subdued because his attractions were off, because his wants were off, because what he made much of was off, because his desires were not submitted to the call of God on his life. And you can see that just at this very moment, the very thing that he was led to by attraction is the very thing that he ended up abandoning to go to work. So what ends up happening after that is he actually ends up returning home and her and her father are murdered by Philistines. Oh, Samson's not here? Well, grab his bride, grab her, grab her dad, take the whole family, done. After she had already grown up with another man. So what happens next in Samson's story? What happens next in Samson's story is, is I think, incredibly relevant to our generation because we go from relationship to relationship, hookup to hookup, marriage to marriage, and we, and we go through all these things. Maybe your spouse didn't run off on you and then die a gruesome death at the hands of your enemies. But for a lot of us, we end up moving on and in, in, in different ways and in, in short periods of time, and we're just trying to fill this void. We're trying to scratch this itch. Maybe it's because you have a need where you just need somebody to be there all the time, where you just need somebody to talk to, where you're not even looking for a relationship. You're just kind of looking for a warm body that will be there. Okay, that's a lot of us. Some of us, we go for sex. Okay, sex is the primary motive for us for relationships because we just have a desire that is out of control. It is unsubmitted. It is driving us instead of us driving it. You have a sex drive, but it's not called to drive you. Amen? Yeah. I wish they never would have called it that. That's so stupid. And they're plaguing the entire world with this idea that we are driven by sex instead of sex being driven by us because when sex drives us we can't control where we go and how we go but when we control sex we can control where we are keeping sex amen come on somebody god's best sex is in god's best context amen yeah. and so here we go samson hair i should have brought a wig that would have been so cool had a wig and a sword and like a chest piece with abs drawn in um things i don't quite you know i don't have so samson Wife's dead. She ran off to somebody else before. Here he is alone, still doing battle because you know you just dive yourself back into work instead of actually you know taking time for yourself and sussing yourself out and understanding and healing yourself. Okay, not good, not good. Don't dive back into work when you have a bad relationship. Then, so Samson, all of a sudden, says he's walking by a place called Gaza, and in Gaza he meets a Gaza woman. Again, Samson, being just 
by the book, he's the most predictable human being of all time. It says he seized a woman from Gaza and he decided that he wanted her. He decided that he wanted her. Not like, yo, I'm gonna go talk with her, I'm gonna go holler, what up, girl? Like, ain't hey, none of those things. What's your name? What's your sign? Come on. Like, none of those things that we said to people in the 90s. Can I get your pager number? Like, none of those things. Instead, it says that he goes over there because he wants her, and then he lays with her. So here we go, and Samson, he's, he's supposed to be in battle. He has an assignment. He has a calling from God. And what ends up happening in this moment is that he is, again, sidetracked by seduction. And before he was ever subjected by seduction, he was already subdued because he is a prisoner of his passions. So many of us, if I look at our generation today, we are a prisoner of our passions. Has no care for what's going on around us. Has no care for what's happening on the inside of us. Has no care about what's happening to our marriages, what's happening to our children. No care about what the future is going to look like for our world. We are just prisoners of our passion. We want what we want when we want it. And so Samson, he doesn't even pay his enemies any mind because Gaza, full of Philistines. And so what ends up happening is they see this guy, he's, you know, he's however many years old, his hair's probably down to here, dreaded out, looking awesome, doing his thing, rolls into Gaza, and Philistine warriors go, yo, I just saw Samson. Samson? Samson. You know, buff Samson out there? Dwayne Rock Johnson? No, Samson. Okay, Samson. I saw Samson. Yeah, what happened with him? Well, he's at this chick's house. What do you mean he's at this girl's house? Well, I think she's a prostitute. Okay, so we got a plan. Well, what's your plan? We're gonna camp out right outside her place till the morning. The second he comes out, we are subduing him. We are taking him down. We end Samson today. And what ends up happening is that Samson just has blinders on. He just has blinders on because he cares about what he came for. He came there with a hippity dippity. He came for the bumping them. He came for the, hey, nothing wrong. There's a lot wrong with the bumping grinding or Kelly stop. He came for the hookup. And what he was going to leave was with was being locked up. Because that's what happens to us. When we become prisoners of our passion, we get these blinders on. And we start not protecting what matters most. We don't start thinking ahead of things. We don't start sussing things out. We pay the enemy no attention. You do have a very real enemy. His name is the devil. He has the powers of darkness at hand. And he wants to kill, steal, and to destroy you. And if he can get you possessed by your passions, well, then he can take you out of the game. If he can get you driven by your desires and not God's desires, he can take you out of the game. If he can get you driven by your will, then he can take you out of God's will. This is who the enemy is. This is what he came to do. We have this battle plan in the Bible, but the problem is, is that we get so stoked on the moment that we can't turn down for anything. We get so stoked on what she said to us in a text message. We can't turn down for anything. We get so stoked about the girl at work paying us more attention that are wise that we can't turn away for anything. We are so excited about the guy who's in our small group who pays us so much more attention to us here. He just hears me and he understands me and my husband doesn't. And we become a prisoner to our passions and possessed by our passions. That we don't pay the traps 
set for us when we walk out the door of euphoria, when the moment's done, when the sex is done, when the moment is done, when the compliments are done, when the moment is finished and we walk out the door, we don't pay the booby traps any mind. But what ends up happening with Samson at this moment? So Samson, he wasn't too far gone yet. He wasn't too far gone yet. He didn't, he didn't botch anything yet. He wasn't drinking. He didn't cut his hair. He wasn't touching dead things. He was doing other things that were distracting him from his destiny, but he still had enough strength inside him and wherewithal from the battles gone by to, to understand the dude jump on him, how to throw him off. And it actually says, this is actually really cool, it says that he beats them so bad that he throws them up on his shoulders and carries them to the top of the hill and throws them off it. Awesome. Awesome. That's, a, that's the superhero moment that we highlight, right? So we leave out the part where he left the prostitute's house. But, so that happens. So then what happens next in, in Samson's story? What happens next, very soon after, as we understand it in Scripture, is he comes across the woman. A woman who is a prostitute. A woman that everybody and Gaza knows. Everybody knows her. Not because she has the hit radio station, Delilah, but they know her. Okay, y'all have planned this morning. You may listen to Delilah before. Come on, then people get out there with their sad stories and you just eat it up. Like, oh, girl, that sounds terrible, but it's worse than my life, so I'm listening. Like, and then there's like some love song afterwards. It's, it, it's, it's bad. We all fall for it every time. I'll be at my in law's house sometimes and she'll pop on. And, Tell me about him. Oh, and how are you doing now? Oh, love story by Taylor Swift. And I'm like, no, stop. You're pulling up my heartstrings here. And, and I'm not here for the Taylor Swift. I came for the Delilah. I did not stay for the Taylor Swift. So what ends up happening next is we come up on Delilah. Before Samson ever met Delilah, Samson was already subdued. Before Samson ever met Delilah, Samson was already subjected to the enemy's desires for him, to his own desires for him, for the desires of women around him. Samson was already subdued. Samson was never in control of his own life from the moment we roll on the scene and we find out what is going on with his wife. He has been controlled by his passions. He has been imprisoned by his passions. He is a creature of desire and familiarity. And Samson meets a woman who the Philistines struck a deal with. I mean, everybody knew her. She's good looking. Samson likes beautiful women. Samson doesn't know that no means no. Samson has a lot of issues. But see, the Philistines, they had him marked out. They already knew him. Like the enemy or devil, when Book of James says, that he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for the ones to devour. The Philistines prowl around like a roaring lion knowing that they could catch him in this. They have studied him. They have a plan. They have a battle plan for him. And they are going to get this thing done. They go to this woman, Delilah. Delilah. They go to Delilah. Listen here. We need you. Find out what his weakness is. We've tried to jump him. 
We tried to catch him off guard. We've sent hundreds of men just at him alone. We tried to do this. There has to be a weakness. He is not God. What's the situation? And I find it crazy because Delilah agrees they're going to pay her a large sum of money for this, right? Large sum of money, and it says, Delilah tried three times. Not once, not twice, but three times before she ever got a real answer. She, it says, the Bible says that she would continue to lay with him and meet with him and stay with him and seduce him and subject him and keep him and to take him uh, capture in her, in her presence. In these moments, she would wrap him around her little finger, but Samson still, for all three attempts, all three tries, all three goes, wouldn't give her the real answer, which also fitting because they're getting the, the book of James says, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. I think what Samson maybe didn't understand is that resisting means resisting. It doesn't mean that you resist and then you go back. It doesn't mean that you resist, go back, and then resist and then go back again. No, no, no. Resisting means resisting because what God knows about the enemy, what God knows about the human condition, what we fail to realize when we're prisoner to our passion is that resisting the devil means to resist the devil. If we give him an inch, he will take it ten miles. If we give him a drink from our well, he will come back. And if we resist him once, he'll be frustrated. If we resist him twice, he'll be frustrated. But if we give in the third time, he knows that he can keep coming back. Yeah. If the devil thinks he can keep coming back, he will try to. If the devil wants to get you, and he believes that he can, if you've given him one single drop from the well, that is your soul, he will come back for more. He's had a taste of you, and he's ready to take you down. The devil made his name. He is famous off of getting... The devil has made his name off of conspiring with your desires. He will conspire with your desires to put out your fire. Man, our marriage is on fire right now. We just got married. We're five weeks in. But the principle is that whatever God starts, the devil opposes. And who knew that marriage was going to be so hard? Five weeks was great. One month was great. Five months later, trying to live and exist with another human in this space. Oh my gosh, what is wrong with her? What is wrong with him? All of these things. And all of a sudden, there is something non-committal. There is something with no attachments. There is something that I can just leave presented to me. The devil will conspire with your desires to put out your fire. Oh, in a dating relationship. I mean, we're seeing each other, but we haven't labeled it. Then I met this girl, Madcap, and I just kind of felt something. And so then I went. And so then we did something. Because I had a desire. Man, I just, it's a really long single season for me. I know that sex is Goal, but pornography scratches the itch. At least I'm not having sex with random people. And so all of a sudden, the enemy's not just conspiring with your desires. You're conspiring with your desires, all for the purpose of putting out your own fire. We're all Samson. We're all Samson. 
Lila. And she says to him, three times now, three times I have asked you, three freaking times, bro, why won't you let me in? Isn't that funny how the devil just means to manipulate stuff? That's when he knows the devil. It's when there's just manipulation. That's when you know the powers of darkness are at work in something. It's when there's manipulation. God doesn't have to manipulate. He's God, okay? He gives a word, and it cuts between bone and marrow. He's God, okay? The devil has to manipulate because he doesn't have any real power. He has to get you to go after your desires. He can't make your desires come upon you, amen? The devil has no power. He has as much power as you and I will choose to give him. He has as much ability to mess with our marriage as you and I will give him. He has as much permission to move in your life as we give him. So Delilah, she says, what is it? Tell me. Freaking tell me. I have asked you. We're having sex. We're close. I've given you of myself. I've showed up all the time. You can just give me something. And it says this. It says this. That Samson, he was so over it that his soul was vexed. He was so over the sex and the questions and the situation because how many of you know when you begin to give it to those desires, the ramifications are a lot larger than you thought they were going to be. Yeah. Ramifications are a lot larger than you thought they were going to be. The attraction to keep coming back was a lot larger than you thought it was going to be. He just keeps coming. And it says that Samson says, my soul is vexed. My soul is vexed. And so he was just at the end of his rope. And he didn't resist again. He didn't resist again. He just gave it. He gave it up. He did not protect the call of God on his life. He gave it up. He was subdued before he was ever actually subdued. He was seduced into subjection. He got to this place after the sex and the questions and the partying and all of these things because she's paying for this to come back. And he just finally says, I'll tell you. No razor, no razors touched a hair on my head since I was born in Nazareth in the mother's womb. Also, if we're going to put YouTube ads up about anything, born in Nazareth in my mother's womb is probably a really great verse to use for, you know, the rights of the other. But he gives in. He gives in. Delilah at that point is elated. She's stoked. Not only because now she can be done uh, doing, doing all this, but she's excited because she's going to make all of this money. The enemy always has something to gain by getting in between you and your spouse. The enemy always has something to gain to break up your relationship. The, the enemy always gets paid in your future not coming about the way God intended it to when he can get inside your desires. Amen? I know it's a bit different of a message this morning, but I promise you, I hope it's on purpose. Is this good for anybody? Yes. Uh, yeah. 
so what ends up happening is Samson tells Delilah all of his heart, it says. And then it said and it reaffirms that Delilah knew he couldn't be lying. Knew that he had finally told all of his heart. It says that Samson told all of his heart to Delilah. Now Delilah has all of the information that she needs to subdue him. Delilah and the Philistines, his enemies, now have all of the information they need to kill him. Now, for a lot of us in 2020, we probably can't relate to that because we haven't had a physical enemy come and try to oppress us and try to steal from us and try to take these things from us with, with sex, okay? That's probably never happened. If it has, I know some people you can talk to. We have a really great police officer on the road. Chad Van Dam is awesome. You should probably talk to somebody about that. But that's probably never been our battle. We've never been seduced by a person into giving up all of our heart, all of our weaknesses, all of what makes us us and how we can be defeated. But what we have done in our generation is that we've told our search engines what our heart is. We've told our search engines how to subdue us. We've told our search engines this is the sex that I like. We've told the apps these are the girls that I want. We told the apps, these are the boys that I'm interested in. We told the porn websites, these are the positions and things. These are the things that I like. We may have never had an actual physical enemy come into our lives and try to subdue us with seduction, but we have certainly told the world search engines what it takes to defeat us, what it takes to get us in. Why do you think you could just have a conversation around your smartphone and all of a sudden there's an ad on your Facebook for whatever it is we're talking about? The devil has been marketing the souls long before Google has, my friend. He, this is where the world has adopted it from. He is listening, he is watching, he is waiting, he is not omnipresent, but he certainly does have a kingdom of darkness behind him, and this is what he lives to do. And so you and I, again, we may have never had to tell a physical person what our weaknesses are and how we can be defeated and taken into custody. But what we have done is we have put that out there. We have put that on the internet. And so that's just going to keep popping up. We're going to get recommendations. We've gone on the apps and we've filled out all of these things and because we know how you know, truthful people are on there, aren't they? So you're looking for this, and they just type in that they are this, and then all of a sudden you have a Trojan horse at your house. And it's something it's not what you thought it was. Where do you think the world learned this from? The devil, like Delilah, has been marketing to human beings this entire time. And if he can get you to give in, to all of your desires, just one followed by another, eventually he will have what he is looking for if we do not protect it. Amen. Yeah. You have got a call of God in your life to have a godly marriage. 
you do. There's women in this place and they're a part of our church. There's men in this place that are part of our church that do not believe within inside themselves that they are worthy of a godly marriage, that they are not worthy of a spouse who puts Jesus first, that are not worthy of people who are going to build up this marriage and be something that represents how Christ loves the church. And friends, I'm here to declare to you today, it is as you are. And he said it, and he can do it. But we have got a role to play in this thing too. And we've got to get, quit being taken prisoner by our passions. Because what happens when we're taken prisoner by our passions? Can I tell you? Samson falls asleep. Delilah's lap. Says that she hollers for the Philistines. He's asleep, they come in. Begin to shave his head. Not only do they shave his head, they gouge out his eyes. And then they take him back, prisoner, and take him with them. So that's the enemy that stunned you. And after you spilled what makes you you, where your human issues still lie, where he can still poke, where he can still get you, where he can still mess with, where he can still entice, where he can still try to draw you into his plan for your life rather than God's plan for your life. When that happens, isn't it funny how Samson literally has his eyes gouged out, but it's you and I who end up with a lack of vision for our lives? When we give into our desires, our vision is the first thing that's attacked. He's already come for our strengths. He's already weakened us. He has already taken away what's made us his. He's already brought us down, already subdued before we were ever actually subjected to somebody else's will because we were subjected to our own will. But suddenly we're the ones who literally and metaphorically, we're the ones who end up without vision. How's that work? Because here we are, we're in a marriage. And desire leads to this and leads to that. And we're having an affair and this thing happens. And all of a sudden... Well, I don't know what the future holds for me because my wife just left. My kids don't want to see me. And know what? It'll be in a work affair. And so she stays. It was messy. And now I'm going. And now I don't even have what I've worked my entire life for. Suddenly, we're the ones without actual vision because we allowed ourselves to be seduced and then subdued. Right. And now we are subjected to the will of the enemy for our lives. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. And we're so blind after the affair and the fallout, the ramifications. I can't see a life ahead of this. I can't see a path backwards to what I had. I don't even know what's going to happen next. The vision I had the business I had, the ideas that I had, the plans that we had, the more kids we are going to have, all of these plans for our lives because my desires went unchecked and unsubmitted to what Christ said was best for my life. Suddenly, the world I had set out and envisioned before me is gone. So what do I do? Same for Same for dating. Especially nowadays. Because you're dating somebody, 
history of his life together and you're building this seemingly godly relationship. Again, there's this unchecked desires and you're trying to you're trying to hold on to what God has called you guys to, but you're feeling this, they're feeling this, she's more committed, you're not so committed, he's more committed, you're not so committed. It's serious for them, but it's not serious for you. And then what happens? Well, you start sleeping over here, doing this with them, all of these things. And then all of a sudden, well, they find out. They find out your spy is blown up, their spy is blown up. You guys hang out in the same friend group. Now your friend group, your community, people keeping you accountable, people encouraging you towards good works and faith in Jesus Christ. The people who are trying to build you up are now looking at you like, what the heck? What did you do? And suddenly, you may not have a vision forward for your marriage because you're not married, but you certainly don't know what your life looks like at this point. Are my friends going to stay my friends? And if you're part of Takeover Church, they absolutely freaking will because we love you, love Jesus loves you. But are my friends going to stay my friends? Are they still going to want to hang out with me? Are they, are they going to accept her and embrace her but not accept me? Are they going to embrace him and not accept me? Like all of a sudden, we truly do. When we give into these desires and we are not driven by these desires, it ultimately will leave us blind. We will not have vision. We will look at what we are called to do and what we are supposed to do and It's amazing how awesome and godly and God-made sex is. And it's incredible how sex out of check can really mess up your life. But these are the things that we don't really preach about in churches then. These are the things that we don't really have to touch on. We want to declare it, we want to say it, we want to start a purity ring ceremony, and all of those things, which I, I got mine done at you know, 16 years old. When I first met Jesus, I was dating this girl who was trying to sleep with me, and I was like, nope. And I kicked her in the forehead, and then I got a tattoo. I wish I'm going to be, gosh, it's trouble. Anyways. But we'll do those. We'll put, up a, we'll put an event up, call it like a moral revolution or something like that. We'll do something, right? But are we ever going to practically talk about what the ramifications are if, if this gets out of hand? If we don't submit this to God? Because when we don't submit this to God, the next thing that happens to Samson is that he is literally chained up. He is made a mockery by the enemies. When the enemy gets you chained up, when the enemy puts you in your place, when the enemy puts you where he wants to have you, when you are bald, when you are gouged out, when you are sick, when all of your strength has left you, his strength left him, he did not know how to move forward. He could not move forward. He was catatonic because of his passions, because of the things that he let run his life. I mean, here we are. He is the champion of God. And sex brought him down. Something that God made ruled and reigned over someone's life that God made. 
it's out of order. When things are out of order, when things are out of alignment, heaven doesn't get to have the last say. Jesus doesn't get to be the end all be all. No, we do. And it's our passions that do. And our brokenness that does. And the enemy at the end of the day is laughing all the way home. Because he stole yet another destiny. Yet another marriage. Yet another future. Yet another child of God who was designed to do great things. But because they got things out of bounds and unchecked, he was able to get in there and to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is what he does. So we're ready for some good news? Yeah. Are you ready for some good news? Yeah. yeah. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? What do we do with that? I just broke down the ramifications. Okay. In the book of Hebrews, the writer Peter, he says this. He says, these are the sin that so easily entangles you. Samson was pulling the Jada Pinkett Smith and was just getting all sorts of entanglement. And Peter says in the book of Hebrews, it's these entanglements that so easily hinder you, you need to throw them off. Well, how do we throw them off, man? Because for real, I've been cheating on my wife for like six months. This thing's going crazy. I've been cheating on my girlfriend. I've been cheating on my boyfriend. I've been stuck in pornography since I was this many years old. I have not known what it's like to be 20 years old any part of this decade and not have a substantial relationship with porn. What do I do? I'm glad you asked. And for that question to be answered, I think it would be appropriate of us to go to what is known as the Sex book in the Bible. Can we throw Song of Solomon up on the screen for me? Y'all ready for this? Yeah. Song of Solomon 2.15 says, Catch the foxes for us. Catch us the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. Catch the foxes for us. Those little foxes that spoil the vineyards for our vineyards are in blossom. You're not some young person anymore. You're not some old, you're not some newlywed anymore. You're not some person who's just been dating. This isn't young love. This isn't young anything. You're not 16 years old just finding out about pornography. No, no, no. Our vineyards are in blossom. Catch the foxes for us. The little foxes that spoil the vineyard. For our vineyard is blossoming. What does that mean, man? It means that we need to start catching the foxes that are spoiling our vineyard. You have worked too much to be who God has made you to be to let a little fox mess it up. Yeah. Your marriage is too far is too far ahead. You've gone through too much. You have battled, you've had kids, you have done these things, you have gone through the worst of it, you've gone through it together. You have gone too far in your marriage to let the little foxes spoil your vineyard. Some of us this morning, we have such calls of God on our life, and I believe every call is huge. It's not what I'm